that we've been praying for the Jungs because uh, Ken's dad has been wrestling through an illness and um, just recently we celebrated that he came to faith in Jesus and uh, praise God. And, but we also know, many of you know, that um, he went to be with the Lord. And so uh, the family, church family has been praying for the Jungs. And God's also been um, working with them in their lives, and they have an announcement to make, and so I'm going to invite them to come forward. And could you welcome this dear family who we love dearly? <laughs> Ken and Peggy, if you don't know them, if you're new with us, and uh, Ken, just share briefly, if you would, please. Sure. Not, it doesn't have to be brief. You can get, get in. Sure. <laughs> Let's see. We have until 1215. Okay. <laughs> um, again, whether you're here for the first time, you've been here for several years, um, my role here has been uh, pastor of spiritual formation. This is my wife, Peggy. We have two boys, William and Timothy. And as Ron mentioned, you know, the last, um, you know, seven months, especially, been, uh, some of you have walked this path. It's been um, very numbing for me, at least. It's been very hard. I'm watching your father um, just slowly lose his life. He had cancer. And I want, as Ron mentioned, um, you know, but I praise God because about six weeks ago, um, you know, I shared this already, but he actually cried out, Jesus save me. And it was the most amazing experience I've ever had, to be honest. It was, I was there in the, at 2.45 in the room. Peggy was there as well, my mom, and he just cried out to say that. And then the last time I was there, um, just, I mean, um, we, we were just visiting, to be honest. I was just visiting. My, my aunt was there too, and um, I was there at a very sacred time, my Father died, but went to be with the Lord. And again, it was such a sacred moment that uh, you can't put into words. And then last week, as Ron mentioned, um, we just had the funeral. And I um, officiated the funeral, one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Very just emotionally draining. Um, But it was a good funeral because I can actually say, he's with the Lord. And the reason why I go into all this background is because I said the last seven months have been also very challenging because like the song we just sang this is our story and for the past seven months we've been also just when I say struggle I mean that in a positive way I mean struggling with God's word and God's car in our life and if I'm going to just take you a little back I'm not going to we're not going to have a multiple choice quiz don't worry but in the summer we went through the book of Jonah some of you I know you all remember that (laughs) and Jonah was running away to Nineveh the opposite direction and although Peggy and I, we didn't feel like we're running away per se, we felt as we were going through that, especially myself, as we were struggling with the text, to apply it into our daily life, that maybe God was calling us to do something and we're pulling the other way. And I kind of let that go by, but just remembering that. And then the next series, or thereafter, soon after, we went into the book of Galatians. And again, everyone remembers that as well. I'm sure you all remember <laughs> Galatians. 
But Paul said in chapter one, I believe, that he was set apart for the gospel. And again, I, I was, as we read this, just like we're doing today, we're talking about Samson. We're going to struggle with the text in a positive way and, and God's movement in our life. I felt like, is God setting not just me, but our family apart in a different way? And so the past several months, um, six, seven months, we've been struggling with those calls and um, with, with heavy hearts because... Um, we love being at Bridges. It's been five quick years. Um, we, God has called us to a new adventure, a new opportunity to be lead pastor at a church called Pathway Community Church. It's located in Dublin, California, not Dublin, Ireland, although we have lived in Bristol, England, but this will be Dublin, um, California, 25 minutes away. And I want you to know... Um, you know, Peggy can add to this as well. We just want to say a few things real quick is that um, we'll still be here for two more weeks and um, we, fr- we start in the 1st of July, but we don't want you to leave this um, morning thinking we're leaving because there's hard feelings or we're leaving because we're, there's animosity or disunity among the leaders or things of that nature. We, we don't want you to get that impression at all. As we struggle with God's call in our life, as we try to apply God's word in our life, I want you to remember that God is a faithful God. God is a God of grace. God is a God who provides for our needs. One of the greatest blessings we have is we don't have to sell our home and we don't have to move and the kids can stay in the same school. And God has been so good to us. And I want to say from the bottom of our hearts that um, although we have not gotten to know everybody equally well, um, thank you for letting us be a part of your life. It's, it's a vulnerable thing to share, right? In small groups or Sunday school or whatever paths we children's ministry for Peggy, for trusting us with the kids. And we just want to say from the bottom of our heart that um, we are very sad. Mm-hmm. We're very, very sad to leave. But thank you so much for allowing us to share our home, our children, mm-hmm. and our very lives with you. Because that's what, that's in some sense, that's, a part of ministry that's so important to us is relationships. So we just want to say thank you so much. And we praise God for the goodness that bridges here for all of us. Did you want to say anything really quick? <laughs> but again, thank you so much. It's a great privilege to serve with the staff here and, and you here. Thank you so much. So, um, church family, they're going to, on the 7th of June, we're going to celebrate them. We're going to throw a party uh, just to express our affection and love for them. They've been faithful, true servants, and we've deeply loved them and know that God is going to expand you know, their role in ministries. He's going to take a senior pastor position. And let's just be committed to pray for the Jungs and the transition and feel free to express your love and affection for them. And on the 7th, we'll celebrate them. Okay? Thanks, Thanks you guys. Yeah. So now we get to turn our attention to God's word. And uh, it's a good thing that God has for us. I love that God has this design for me 
and for Dino that he would not let us stay where we're currently at, but Pierce and I, we, we would be able to take the next step forward in our walk with Jesus, that you and I, we would, we would be able to continue to be made new. We've been in this sermon series talking about specific areas that God wants to change in our lives. And perhaps you're brand new with us. Perhaps you've never experienced relationship with God and what God wants for you. And we want to just welcome you. You're always welcome to ask whatever question you might have and wrestle through that uh, relationship with God. But I want you to know that you're loved by him. You're invited into a relationship with him, no matter what you've done in your past or who you are, that God extends his love to you and an invitation to relationship. And all you have to do is turn to him to say, God, I want that relationship. I want your forgiveness and grace. I want to seek that, turn from my own stuff and turn toward you. And would you, I just want to place my trust in you. And when you do that, you, you take the first step of engagement with God. He takes you and makes you new. And there's a process of being made new. He starts to get at places in your life that aren't what they should be to a place where they should be. So you are right and walking with him. Um, there are all kinds of things that we could identify in this series of places where we're messed up. Um, Here's the area that we want to talk about this morning, and I'll just illustrate it with a little video, and perhaps you've seen this on Facebook or whatever, but I thought we'd show it to introduce the topic this morning. I hope that's not your trash, man. Man, don't you love that? He just goes off. I don't know if you've ever experienced um, that kind of anger where you're so like out of control. I just got over on you, but... I don't know whether it's the person's security camera or some kid holding a camera, what, however they caught that video, but it resonates with some of us, right? That wrestle with this area of our life, our anger, and uh, God's called to us and how to deal with that kind of emotion. I'm going to start in Ephesians 4, 22 to 26, just to remind us kind of of a general theme of uh, where God is taking us in this series. Ephesians 4, starting verse 22, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, things that trick you, those desires and can be emotions in your life that, that fool you. That's part of your old self. You're called to something different and be renewed in the spirit of your minds be, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness, that is purity Becoming like Christ. This is the God's direction for us. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. That's the trick, isn't it? Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Strong word, right? So, be renewed, the text says, because this is what God wants for you, not to be fooled by deceitful desires, or struggling with that, with your old self. Be renewed and don't stew. Don't steep in your anger. And when you're upset, let that just fester and not um, become properly and healthily resolved. But let it, don't let it build up inside of you and corrode and corrupt who you are and steer you away and uh, 
turn you into a raging trash man. Don't, don't do that. Why? Well, there's some very fundamental reasons why our anger, unresolved anger, is really bad for us. Let me just give three. First, it's a physical issue. I don't know if you realize this, but it weakens your heart. Actually, there's scientific evidence. It can stiffen your arteries. It can wreck your kidney and livers. It can raise your cholesterol levels. Science tells us that people with unresolved chronic anger have three times the risk of heart attacks. It can be more dangerous to us than smoking and obesity. And it really wrecks who you are physically underneath. Beside all that stuff, all that internal health stuff, when I get angry and it's unresolved and I unleash it on someone who's bigger than me, I get popped in the nose. It can be dangerous. Have you ever been to a junior high campus and seen unresolved anger go on? It's crazy what can happen. What can happen with our anger? So it's unhealthy physically to us. It's emotionally unhealthy. Unresolved anger is emotionally unhealthy. It can lead to depression and to anxiety and to all kinds of conflicted relationships if it's not resolved in a healthy way. And unresolved anger is spiritually unhealthy. Think about all the people in scripture. We're going to think about one in just a few minutes who really struggled in their relationship with God because anger got the better of them and it steered them off the tracks. And think about your own relationships. Um, several years ago, I was in youth ministry at this large church and uh, someone came running into me. I was with the youth group and someone came running into me and said, Ronnie, you got to go outside right away. Like to the, our, we had a big patio area, kind of similar to us. I'm like, oh, oh okay. You know, so I go follow him outside. And there's one of my volunteer staff members who's a big guy. He's like ripped, right? And there's another dad who's also ripped, big guy. And they're faced off yelling at each other and ready to throw down a church. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you can't do this. So I go running down there and they're about ready to fight, like punch it out right in the patio. And all these people, it's like a junior high are starting to gather around, right? They're, they're going to watch a fight at church. Wow, you're getting your offerings worth there, right? So they're all, they're all there gathered around and I go jumping down into that. These two guys that I know. And I'm like, you guys can't fight at church. There's no fighting at church. <laughs> and they, they step back and like, you know, they, they took a breath because they're all red and they're ready to get after it. Can you imagine that? What led them to that place? It was just completely illogical, right? This was not an expression of Jesus. They were not loving each other. <laughs> they were out of control. And it makes us into fools, doesn't it? When, when we do stuff out of our own anger, it can really humble us and make us look stupid. Scripture says, don't let the devil have an opportunity to bring wreckage into your life, Ephesians 4, because that's what will happen when anger stews inside of you, when it's not resolved in a healthy way. I have a list, you probably do too, of things that make you ticked off. When I'm working in a construction project, I'm not very coordinated. I hit myself with a hammer. That ticks me. Oh, man, I hate that when that happens. I don't know if you've ever experienced that when you wound yourself doing something, and then you feel like just kicking something, which is really stupid because that's not a good way. That's just a good way to make you more angry, isn't it? Or hit a wall and then punch through the wall. It just leads to bad things when you express it in an unhealthy way. 
or incessant whining. Oh my goodness, that just like, that's like running your fingers on the chalkboard to me when I just hear that incessantly. Or when people cutting in, I'm at Costco the other day, and this, for whatever reason, long lines, I'm sitting there with my, with my little cart in the line, and this older gentleman comes in from the left field and starts poking right in front of me, and I'm like, are you kidding me? I didn't say anything un- unhealthy. I whew, took a breath, right? And I said, um, sir, I've been here for quite a while. If you'd like to go in front of me. Yeah. There's a long list of things. Bullies. I don't like to see people bullied at all. That ticks me off. And um, abuse. When I see physical or sexual abuse or hear about it, that really gets me angry. And when I hear the name of Jesus blasphemed, when I hear people blaspheming, it ticks me off. I don't know if you happened to watch the Warrior game yesterday. Wasn't that a good game? I know I told a couple people who are actually wearing Warrior gear today that we should have just put like those little shirts on the pews here. I know some of you are fans. Some of you don't care. But um, I really loved one response that Steph Curry had because, um, I don't know, you could actually read the language. People were taunting him and someone cursing at him in these fans. And one of them said, God doesn't care. Like he's trying to get at Curry's faith, right? And then uh, he just sinks a three, which was so sweet, and backs off. Just looks just like, okay, sit down now, you know, be quiet. And he runs down the court, turns again, just smiles, right? It's a way to diffuse anger. Their anger and frustration that's poured out, you know, because sports does that for some of you who are all competitive, right? It just gets the blood going, and then you make poor choices when we're not resolving our anger in a healthy way. But I've got three pieces of good news. Before we get there, I thought I'd throw one more example of anger for those of you who are not sports nuts, but this lady. Yeah, she needed to hone her people skills just a little bit, right? She got way out of control, didn't know what to do with her anger, and just dumped it out on her boss in a pretty unhealthy way. So here's the good news. Not all anger is wrong. Anger is, I believe, a God-given emotion. There are places where anger actually can be healthy and right. Did you know in Scripture, there's over 275 verses that speak about our anger, specifically about anger. And there's more, actually, if you would extrapolate all the meanings and words that could apply to that. There's a lot of Scripture that talks about anger. And in fact, God himself is described as a God who experiences that emotion. There's a difference with the characteristics of God's anger as he, as he works through it, but God himself is a God who can become angry. And there's some ways and some reasons why God becomes angry. The first is idolatry. When God sees people worshiping false gods, it makes him angry. It's not that he needs everybody and he just wants the attention and so he gets jealous for your attention. That's not it. God gets angry because he knows the destruction that happens in your life when you follow false gods. Whatever that thing is that you've prioritized about a healthy relationship with God or relationship that you've placed up as a God, or false little piece that you're 
paying attention to and investing your time and energy and resources beyond and above God himself most high, that gets God angry. Why? Because he loves you and he wants the best for you, he wants to experience a great relationship with you. And when you fall short of that, God gets angry. And God gets angry at evil. When evil is done, when we sin, that angers God. Why? Because he gave his own son to die for it. So that we might not get in the trap of evil, but we might discover freedom in him and forgiveness in him. He sees the wreckage of what evil does, both on a small scale, when that happens inside of my house, and then when it happens in my neighborhood, when it happens in our country, when it happens in the world, God is grieved and is angered by evil. And one day will judge all evil. So God, God is angered by that, and he's angered by injustice. When he sees people, innocent people, wronged. God is angered, and he responds. Now, there's a characteristic, some characteristics about how God responds in his anger is very different than often some of us who have a quick temper respond, right? Because scripture says he is slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. That's who God is. He doesn't just fly off the handle, but his anger is pure and it's directed against evil and injustice. God's anger is controlled. It is just and it's justified. And God's anger is short-lived. It doesn't keep stewing. For his anger, Psalm 30 says, is but for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime. So when we think about the anger of God, it's often very different than ours, and what moves us to anger. What is it? What is it that moves you to anger? And how is that characterized? Often what moves us to anger is unmet expectations and the feeling of powerless. Those two things are prime movers in what makes us angry. I expect people to get in line after me. I expect the world to revolve around me. And in my selfishness, I get frustrated. I expect certain things and I feel powerless to make them change. Now here's great news about those unmet expectations, the unmet power thing, is that God is sovereign and he's all powerful. And God's accomplishing his good and holy and perfect will for us. So we can rest assured and not wig out. We can say, God's got this. I don't, but I don't need to be angry about it because God does and he's sovereign and he is good in his heart, in his core, and he loves me. So I don't have to flip out about it because that's not going to accomplish anything good anyway. Here's another piece of good news that wrong anger can be healed. If you are in the habit and in the rut of struggling with your anger, God can heal that. That's why he sent his son. That's why his son died for you. In the midst of all kinds of people hurling anger at Jesus, he took it upon himself so that we might be free. God can heal you of your anger issues. That's what he lived and died for and rose again for. 
And here's another piece of good news that God can and does use me, even though I might have anger issues, even though I might struggle with what I do with my anger. There's a story told in scripture of a man. It's found in Judges 13 through 16, who rose to power in Israel before it became an official nation. And when it was being oppressed by their neighbors, the Philistine, his man, this man's name was Samson. And if you know the story in those four chapters or so, I'm just encourage you to read it this week and it'll track with some of the devotionals that are written in the Made New Devotion. By the way, if you don't have a Made New Devotional, grab one. We've had several people grab one even this week. You can catch up or you can just take your own time. It's a daily devotional. You don't have to start at any one point and try to feel like you have to catch up, but you can start. And um, these chapters in the book of Judges tell the story of a man whose life was just so seriously messed up. It makes your head spin. And in chapter 13, the story is told how an angel came to his parents. And it, it very much reflects what happened in the life of Mary and Joseph. Angel comes to this couple who is barren and says, you're going to have a child. And he's going to begin the process of God's work in the life of Israel. He's going to begin it. He's not going to finish it or bring it to completion. He's not even going to do it actually in a, in a healthy way, but he's going to do this. And he's to be a Nazarite. That is, he's to be separated out, called by God. And that really is our story. Every one of our story here, God is calling you out to relationship with himself. And in that particular vow, the Nazarite vow, they would do several things. They wouldn't cut their hair. They wouldn't drink strong drink. They would have a certain lifestyle that was expected of them. That's chapter 13. Chapter 14, we jump right into how his life turned south. And the next three chapters tell a series of stories about stupid decisions this guy made and how he chooses the wrong women repeatedly. And how that leads to a series of things where he expresses his anger and his anger like, and all of a sudden it goes tit for tat. It goes back and forth. He expresses his anger at the Philistines and they express their anger back. And then it goes back and forth and it keeps escalating in those next three chapters. It's a crazy story. And you think you're scratching your head saying, what in the world is happening with this? And yet God uses this man, Samson, for 20 years to bring deliverance to his people so that they would, have, um, they would have freedom from the Philistines' oppression. And he would, Samson would judge over them even though he was corrupted on so many different levels. His life was spinning out of control. And at the end of the days, you're expecting, okay, finally at the end, Samson's going to get it, right? Because the Bible's full of good stories. And that's not what happened. At the end of the day, his latest wife, Delilah, fools him repeatedly. You're thinking, how can this guy keep following, falling for these stupid stories that his wife is telling him? And finally he gets captured and his enemies, the Philistines, after he's killed a bunch of them, they poke out his eyes. That's not good. And they, enter, they use him for their entertainment. And then a moment happens that's kind of like for the Philistines, the world trade tower moment where there's 3,000 people. They're gathered all in this one spot. Now, think about that. In ancient days, that's a lot of people. A, a large portion of that people group is all gathered and they're partying and they're celebrating their false god, Dagon. And Samson asks for the power if he could just one last time have strength, the strength of God. And he 
crushes that building and 3,000 people die. And he does it out of vengeance. He doesn't do it out of following God. He does it out of vengeance and he dies. And then the next chapter turns and you hear about a different story and you're like, wow, what was that all about? <laughs> right? You're thinking, okay, it's the story of a strong man, but nothing good seems like could come out of this man's life, except it does. God reaches into a person who was absolutely broken and redeems it for his own purposes. He even takes Samson's weakness and sin and he uses it for his glory. And that, men and women, is great news for you. Great news for me that he can use even the dark places of our life and he can redeem them for his purposes and for his grace. It's good news for me that God can do this. God used Samson. He uses weakness, the weakness in Samson to achieve his purposes. And God can use the worst parts of us for his glory. Now, how does that happen? It happens first at the very beginning point because God begins to start. He, he comes to us and he says, this needs to start here at a relationship that we have, the two of us. You have to decide to turn to God with your brokenness, with your sin. I'd say, God, I, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your cleansing. Please just have it. And I trust Jesus and the power of what he did on the cross for this. It begins there. If you've never started there, you will never get hold of your anger and the destruction that can happen in your life because of it. I mean, you'll, you'll do your best to keep a lid on it, but there will never be healthy resolution unless you turn to God who alone can heal you and rescue you. So I, this morning, in just a few minutes, I'm going to give you opportunity just to do that, to, to just invite the Lord's relationship in your life and his healing and his cleansing so that you might walk out of here with resolved anger and healing. God begins there, but he doesn't just stop there. He affirms that he's bigger than our failures. I know, um, I talked to a group of people after the first service. Actually, some of them that came up and said, oh, that was just me. I'm, I've wrestled this week with anger. And a couple of people said, oh, I never deal with anger. I'm, I'm good. Like, you're lying in church. What? <laughs> you just lied to me. I can't believe that. You never have ever dealt with anger. Of course you have. And, and the consequences of it. So think about this. This God, who we celebrate here, who we worship, he is in the business of being bigger than your anger and bigger than your failures. And he stands ready to bless you with a spiritual gift. It's the gift of self-control. It is a spiritual product of God's spirit working in your life. Self-control is. It's a fruit of the spirit. Galatians chapter 5 tells us. And he is ready to start gifting that into your life in those circumstances where you are struggling with. How does that happen? Well, Proverbs 16, 32 gives us a clue. I'd love for you to turn your Bible open if you've got that. Proverbs 16, 32 says this. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Whoever learns this lesson of being slow to anger, to be able to step back in the moment where you feel anger building, 
and turn to God. Say, God, I need you right now. You know, when they first invented um, elevators, they didn't have brakes, which was a problem because if too many people got in the elevator or there was a frayed cable, what would happen? Gravity would take over, wham, and we're being flattened, right? It's a story of my anger. When it's out of control, it escalates, gravity takes over, wham, I like all kinds of damage. Oh, here's what happened. I just got to tell you this story. It's fantastic, actually. I've been um, going on this one on-ramp to church and on the freeway. And um, not too long ago, they put a meter, one of those meters that are just meant to frustrate people, right? And it's backed up traffic. And so during the week, like in the mornings, there'll be this long traffic thing. And I've had this thought inside of my brain occasionally where I thought, man, wouldn't it be great to like get up at three in the morning and just take that thing out? But I've exercised self-control, right? (laughs) Spiritual gift, I haven't gone off or anything. So my son Andrew and I are coming to coming to church this morning, and we we get to this meter, and it's been destroyed. Somebody, now, it wasn't like it just been, like, knocked over by somebody that hit it. This thing had been ravaged. Someone, like, took something like a sledgehammer to it and beat that thing, and silly, it's all over, strewn across the road. And I'm sure there's people going by it thinking, oh, I wish I would have done that. Because it led to all this frustration. Well, that probably is not a good expression of our anger, right? That's, that's not a healthy thing. Instead, I take a step back and say, God, would you be at work in this? I know you want to carve this out of my life. You don't want me to be angry for issues that involve my own unmet expectations or my loss of power. You only, you only want inside of me what's pure and right, to stand up for the injustice and for idolatry, but... What you really want in my life, Lord, is for me to be able to let that go and have self-control. So ask God, ask the Lord. And don't let anger continue to build in your life. Ecclesiastes 7.9 says this. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Anger makes a place of lodging in the heart of the foolish. We let it just sit there and bake and never get resolution. We never speak it out and communicate it with our spouse or with our kids. And first and foremost, without God, we, we don't go there. And it just makes a little place inside of us. And it grows. It's cancerous. It's why it has to be dealt with. Why God has to deal with that in your life and in my life. So don't let it sit there. Deal with it. Bring it before the Lord. Seek his forgiveness first. And that's the last point. Seek forgiveness and restitution when you fail. You will fail. James tells us in James chapter 1 verse 20. Be slow to anger. Because man's anger does not lead to God's righteousness. It doesn't lead to holiness. It leads the opposite direction. That's where it's headed. So step back and seek forgiveness. And if there's restitution that needs to be made, if you need to take care of things with somebody, then take that step and seek their forgiveness. I've never had someone when I've gone to them and said, yeah, I'm really sorry. I should have never said that. Should have never done that. Would you forgive me? Say, no. If you do it in humility... 
and you do it if there's restitution to be made, then healing will happen. But without that, there will be no healing, and you will let it fester, and your heart, your heart will be a lodge of fools. Don't be a fool. Give your anger over to the Lord and let him bring healing into your life and self-control. So, let's take a first step together. If you would take a moment and have a conversation with God and simply invite him, if you've never had a relationship with him, Lord, man, I don't want to live in this place where anger is eating me up. Would you heal me? Would you just bring forgiveness and healing into my life? I want to trust you for the forgiveness of my sin. I want to follow you. If you're a follower of Jesus and been struggling with anger that's unresolved, then take that step with the Lord. Thank him for being a sovereign God who has all things under control. And seek the gift of self-control by God's spirit, that, that spiritual fruit that he wants to work out into you and me. Just take a moment to be quiet with the Lord. He loves to hear your voice. Then I'll close this in prayer. Father, thank you that you would care enough about us. You would love us so much that you want to make us new, that you would bring healing into our lives. And I pray you would bless this fellowship with that gift. And for those who are just wrestling even right now with unresolved anger, would you reach in and bring forgiveness and wholeness to them and the gift of your self-control be at work that week. And with those things that come up this week, I pray that we would we'd look like you, the way we respond when we feel that anger. We'd just give it over to you and you would be at work. I pray these things for the honor and the glory of the one who's loved us and given us forgiveness. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. For more information on Bridges Community Church, please check out our website at www.bridgescc.org.